What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sporehouse. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson, recording here on Monday, right after Rivalry Weekend. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into it. As everybody pretty much in the state of South Carolina expected, Clemson beat the University of South Carolina with the final score of 38-3. It wasn't ever remotely close besides USC stopping Clemson on the goal line early in the first quarter. And by close, I mean even competitive. Clemson ended up going up 24-3 at the half. Trevor Lawrence went 26 26 for 36 for 295 yards and three touchdowns. Two Clemson wide receivers, both of which are like that 6'3", 6'4", range, which I always think is very good for, especially for your outside receivers to be that tall. Had 100-yard days with Justin Ross having nine catches for 111 yards and one touchdown. And T. Higgins having three catches for 101 yards and two touchdowns. It's great for him. That means besides one time, every time he touched the ball, it was in the end zone. After the game, Muschamp said USC was going to make some major changes. They end up firing strength before Sunday, before Monday even hit. So Sunday throughout the day, they fired the strength and conditioning coach, Jeff Dillman. They fired uh, Dan Werner, who was the quarterback's coach. And Brian McClendon will no longer be the offensive coordinator, but might remain on the staff. It'll be up to him. But if they're allowing him to remain on the staff, in my, in my belief, I think that's so he, for recruiting purposes. Or, and or to be the wide receiver coach because he coached up some pretty good receivers at Carolina. He coached up Debo Samuel, who was not all that he was when he left USC when he got there. So there was a lot of growth there and a lot of coaching, obviously, by uh, McClendon. Also, Brian Edwards, who he came in as a four or five star, but obviously you could tell throughout his career, his routes and stuff have improved, which also comes by coaching. You could tell they were going to fire the strength conditioning coach just by the way of the injuries the past two years. Seems like by the end of the year, everybody's hurt. And also, Dan Wern, I didn't really understand that one quite as much. Maybe there was something going on between the coach and uh, between him and Muschamp, where Muschamp feel like it's best for him to move on from him. So they'll be looking to fire, to hire, excuse me, they'll be looking to hire a new quarterback's coach. And we're going to see if they make any other changes, but that might be it because they just hired the running backs coach now if i'm them i might be looking at the offensive line coach just because usc's in some games can run the ball for more than 20 yards but like then also remember that a game against texas a&m where the punter was the second leading rusher so that is reasons to wonder about that but we'll see what goes uh, happens there now as far as the offensive coordinator I wouldn't be surprised they at least gave Chad Morris the call if he's willing to go back to be an offensive coordinator. But Chad might just go to a little bit smaller school or maybe just a different situations where they already have the players that he likes. Like in Arkansas, he was changing from a, a university used to a pro-style scheme to a spread. So maybe he goes to an FCS school or lower tier FBS school, like a Kansas in that area. Not in that area, but like as far as their, how much they really care about football, school like that. And go there. The show his offense still works, so his scheme still works, and then go back to the big time, the SEC or the Big 12, wherever school, uh, whoever blesses his heart. Now, South Carolina season is over. Meanwhile, Clemson will play Virginia in the ACC championship game. That game will probably be 8 o'clock on Saturday, and as long as they take care of business Sunday, they'll be looking to see where they'll be playing in the college, in the college football playoff. And we'll see about that. But, yeah, so Clemson controls their own destiny. I have no reason to believe they won't beat Virginia by more than 20. 
Georgia, we're going to go down south a little bit more where Georgia beat Georgia Tech with the final score 52 to 7. No surprise there. The big news in this game, though, was the fight. The rivalry game name is the old fashioned hate, and that's exactly what was put on display when George Pickens, who is one of the Georgia better receivers, got into a fight with the Georgia Tech defender, throwing multiple punches and eventually throwing him into the wall. We've now seen a guy get hit by his with his own helmet on the head, and now another guy thrown into the wall. So football is just, at this point, just gladiators fighting. He's got the, the Pickens has got to learn his to keep his composure because you know how they always say your factions affect more than just you. Well, in this case, it's going to affect this team because they have to go play LSU next week in the SEC championship game at the in Georgia at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The location here does not matter, but the point is. LSU is going to be able to put a lot of points on the board, and Georgia needs to be able to match them as much as possible, like go point for point. And so that's not going to help you when one of your star receivers is out for the first half. So he will be suspended for the first half. I, if I was the SEC, well, obviously they, I care about my product, but if you were trying to send a memo, a message here, I'd suspend them for a couple more games. But they obviously aren't going to do that. I don't think so, unless something comes out later on this week. So yeah, so that that's going to unfortunately affect his team. But hopefully he'll be able to make it make it up in the second half, and Georgia will be able to stay going tip for tap. Just have some other guys from the roster step up. Like I said before, they're going to have to put a lot of points on the board to keep up with LSU, which is what Georgia's offense has struggled to do all season long. They've kind of just coasted it all the way up to this point. But you cannot coast against LSU. That's not how that works. Expect Georgia to pull out all the stops in this game because they control their own destiny at this point. They beat LSU. They go to the college football playoff. It's that simple. Burrow, who's a uh, LSU quarterback, will probably be the Heisman Trophy candidate. And Kirby Smart will have a chess match. On uh, on the field, they'll have the stingy defense of Georgia and that explosive LSU offense going at it. So that's going to be an exciting one to watch. Speaking of LSU, they did, in fact, beat the Texas A&M Aggies with the final score of 50-7. to Jamar Chase for the LSU Tigers had seven catches for 197 yards. It was Joe Burrow's last game in Death Valley. Pre-game and post-game, he was definitely celebrated by the fans. This guy is going to go down as the best quarterback in school history, unless it's some guy from like the 40s that I just don't know about. He was a gift pretty much from Ohio State who came in as a transfer student and really just wanted the opportunity to, uh, to compete for a starting job and make the most out of it, and he definitely did that. He probably picked up his Heisman on the way, so giving oh, LSU their first Heisman Trophy winner in a while here, but that ceremony will be in the future. We're going to stay in the South where Alabama lost to the Auburn Tigers with a final score of 45-48. This is an unusually high-scoring game in the SEC period, not to mention this rivalry game, because, you know, usually, especially in this rivalry game, it's a lot of, it's just a lot of defense. And, I mean, you score a little bit because there are also a lot of explosive playmakers, but def- definitely not 45-48 is not a normal score for this game. This is like a Big 12 type of game. Bo Nix, who was the quarterback for Auburn, did not have his best day going 15 for 30 for 173 yards. But this kid, he does it better than just about anybody. He just has does enough to get the win. Like, it ain't going to be the best, the best looking thing usually, but he's going to get the win for his team. Mac Jones, who was the, it was Alabama's backup quarterback who had to play because Tua was obviously out for the rest of the year, actually played much better than what I was expecting him to, minus the two interceptions, which were big because they were both pick sixes. But anyway, he went 26 for 39 for 335 yards. Jalen Waddle was the Crimson Tide player of the day. If, if if the losing team can get player of the game, he still got it. He had three receiving touchdowns and a 98-yard kickoff return. And he is the fourth-best receiver on that Alabama receiving core. You have Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, 
Henry Ruggs III, and then Jalen. Jalen's just kind of like the do-it-all guys. The other guys, for the most part, kind of specialize in one aspect of their receiver play. But all of that wasn't enough to get the job done for the Crimson Tide. Alabama, here's how you know Alabama's going to lose a game. Whenever they make a lot of mental mistakes, because much, uh, not much champs, Saban's whole approach is we're not going to beat ourselves. It's very similar to Bill Belichick. As a matter of fact, he was a coach under Bill Belichick. So that probably kind of rubbed off on him a little bit. But anyway, if they start beating themselves, they're going to lose the game because that's not how their program is designed. Their program is designed that if y'all going to, if y'all come out here and just be the better team than us one day, that's how it works. But you're just not going to beat ourselves. And that's what started to happen. You saw that with a lot of illegal formations, illegal substitutions, false stars, just mental mistakes that players know better than to do and you can see um you can see the head coach Nick Saban getting a little frustrated on the sideline there he was actually really frustrated about what was that right towards the end of the game whenever the ball was spotted and there was enough time to respot the ball and then kick the field goal and all that he got super frustrated with the referees he probably feels like that cost him the game and it may or may not have but Auburn escaped another one and huge for Gus Malzone to probably keep his job stay in the south last game in the south we're talking about here where you have Ole Miss who had the game win it well the game tying touchdown extra point ordeal they scored the touchdown all they needed was the extra point they would have uh, they would have tied and went to overtime but instead one of their receivers decided to take a page out of old, uh, Odell Beckham's book and do the whole using the restroom on the fire hydrant like imagine he didn't actually do it but he did like the the uh the celebration as if he was doing that they got the penalty and moved them back and what ends up happening is they missed the extra point and that probably got their old miss head coach fired because if he beats mississippi state they're like hey at least we won the egg bowl so that sucks for the old miss definitely sucks for the head coach that lost his job and it always makes you wonder was it worth it and i'm sure a lot of those players really love that old miss coach so a lot of players are going to probably transfer in this day and age you hit up the transfer portal and you get on out and you go to the whatever schools that are trying to recruit you now maybe a coach that was trying to recruit you out of high school and you're like you know what i don't like this new guy that's coming and i'm hitting the portal and really coaches don't have too much that they can do about it we're gonna go up north in the game against the team up north Ohio State, they call this the game. Ohio State beat Michigan with a final score of 56 to 27. Michigan kept up in the first quarter, scoring 13, but Ohio State scored 14 each quarter, which 14 times 4 is 56. Just doing the math here. And Michigan simply couldn't hang with them. Justin Fields played well, going 14 for 25 for 302 yards and four touchdowns. He hurt the same leg in this game that he sprained that he had sprained the MCL against Penn State. I sprayed an MCL before. It's painful, but you can't play through it. They'll probably make him this week in practice go no contact, which is usually what quarterbacks do, but they're probably going to say don't even two-hand touch him for the defense. Like, we're not playing that. We need him for this Big Ten championship game, and then two more games probably down the line if they plan on, as I know they do, making to the college football playoff. Very important, but what actually is kind of weird is a lot of times nowadays, those injuries happen, like, by themselves. Like, guys will be in practice. Like, that's happened with Deshaun Watson. He tore his ACL. It happened. He was just running in practice, probably making a cut or something. It just tore. So, a lot of times, they're not an injury anyway, but they're going to go the extra mile to make sure nobody touched them this week in practice. Some coaches, if you touch the quarterback, when they say don't, they kick you out of practice. So, you might see something like that. Also, J.K. Dobbins had 31 carries for 211 yards and four touchdowns. I didn't even have that on my notes, but I, I had to go find that because I knew he had a huge game. Folks, 31 carries, that is insane. That's almost that's three-fourths of 40 
a little bit more than that. But anyway, that, that's a lot of carries for a running back, especially when he potentially has to play three more games. I probably would have taken him out a little bit earlier, get some other guys in. But, hey, he's the workhorse. They're telling him to get ready for the load. So, this is oh, this is big. Um, we're going to go back to Justin, here's Justin Fields here really quickly. He came back after he hurt the the knee, the leg, whatever, and threw for another touchdown pass just to kind of – I think it was just kind of – obviously the coach didn't do this for the fans, but it's like, okay, I can still perform. And then obviously got on top of there. But they will now go face Wisconsin next week in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship game. Ohio State beat Wisconsin earlier in the year, so they will look to do it again. Wisconsin was one of the first teams I saw in the regular season that were able to get pressure on Justin Fields and knowing that he's dealing with some sort of injury, they're probably amp it up, do a lot of blitz blitzes to look forward to that. But I don't think as long as Justin Fields plays and J.K. Dobbins is playing and Chase Young is playing, I do not expect Wisconsin to mess around and beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. So you can pretty much mark Ohio State down for having an undefeated season slash conference championship, I guess you could say. Wisconsin did earn the right to play in the Big Ten Championship by beating Minnesota 38-17. to excuse me, to win their division in the Big Ten. It was snowing like crazy during the game and pregame. As a matter of fact, pregame, they were shoveling snow off the seats into like a ramp so that fans would have a place to sit on the bleachers because there was snow all over the place. It's always crazy thinking about the Big Ten. You're, you're expected to perform at peak ability even in snow. Like that's not an excuse for the quarterback not to complete the pass in the Big Ten. It's like, I'm sorry, it's just kind of like maybe like in a – Seattle or Washington rain. If it's rain, yeah, I know it's rain. You still have to complete the pass. You still have to run. Those cuts that maybe you can't usually, most teams can't make in the rain, you got to make that cut because that's just what comes with playing up north. <clears throat> well, now we're going to go to the Big 12 where Oklahoma did beat Oklahoma State in their rivalry game called Bedlam. The final score was 34-16. <clears throat> Utah out in the Pac-12 won their game as well, 45-14, which brings me to my point. Now that Alabama has eliminated themselves out of the college football playoff, I'm assuming Georgia will lose to LSU, so that fourth spot is going to be up in the air. <coughs> Either Oklahoma, as long as they beat Baylor in the Big 12 championship game, or to or Utah, as long as they beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, will go to the college football playoff. If I had to put my money on it, if both teams win, I think the committee would rather choose Oklahoma but I think you and I also think Utah is more likely to lose to Oregon than Oklahoma to Baylor. But that's just my guess. I was on the Utah bandwagon until they lost to Southern Cal with the third string quarterback. No matter how good Utah is, it's like Southern Cal is their bigger brother and they just can't seem to beat them. Wouldn't that be something if Alabama doesn't make the playoff, but Jalen Hurts still finds his way in? Isn't it crazy to think that Jalen has never missed college football playoff? I call him a true vet. Something also here to consider, though, if Baylor beats Oklahoma, then Baylor has the exact same argument Oklahoma would have had. So that's something you have to consider there. So let's say Utah loses, but you have then the winner of that Oklahoma-Baylor game ends up playing in the college football playoff. So some things to watch there. And like I said before, but I'm putting emphasis on it. That's why I say stuff twice. Jalen Hurts has never missed a college football playoff. You know how many high school recruits wish that that would ever be their story? Like, this man, obviously, he has some adversity that a lot of guys probably didn't want to, would, would not want to deal with. But the fact that every single year there's been a playoff, he's been involved in it. His season's never in December. His season's always in January. Now, we're going to move to the NFL, where the Texans beat the Patriots with the final score of 28-22. to Bradley Roby had a big day with the sack and the interception. He was really all over the field. 
one thing, if you want to take back and look at this defensive, the defensive backs for the Houston Texans, if you look at Bradley Roby, if you would have told me in college that these guys in college, Bradley Roby and Vernon, Har- Vernon Hargraves III would be on the same team, I would have looked at you like you were crazy because in college, those two were both All-Americans and not even like Big 12 All-Americans. We're talking about Big 10 and SEC All-Americans. Vernon Hargraves III is still adjusting to the system they have out there in Houston. The defense, the defense played really well for Houston. I think this is one of their better defensive performances, especially to not have J.J. Watt or Jadavion Clowney. This game was 21-3. Houston was up until late in the third quarter. The end of the game, though, Brady showed exactly why he's Tom Brady. He drove them down the field. Um, there's still 50, 50 seconds remaining, and they almost got that onside kick and I'm sure Brady wouldn't have been at, would have been able to do it again because he's done it so many times driving down the field for the game winning uh, game winning drive it just so happened that ball went off the Patriots defenders hands but it also it made me think this is why Houston is Houston because they allow stuff like this to happen they've been dominating the whole game I just told you the score was 21-3 until late in the third quarter and you you give Brady the opportunity to almost come back and win that game so that's why Houston is Houston. I don't think they'll win the championship. I, don't, I mean, they'll be competitive. They might make it to the playoffs. They should make it to the playoffs. But I don't think they'll be competitive in the grand scheme of things for the Super Bowl. The Ravens beat the 49ers with the final score of 20-17. That is the Baltimore Ravens and the San Francisco 49ers. I'm trying to say the whole thing. Debo had another touchdown. He's really fitting in that system really well, which gives kudos a little bit. Obviously, he's had to work very hard. But Brian McClendon definitely helped progress his game. And Debo even said that after last year at the Senior Bowl. Lamar and Lamar Jackson just gets the job done. He gets that ball to his tight ends. They, he gets the ball on the ground. He runs the thing. That rushing attack is lethal. And the Ravens kick the game-winning field goal as, ties, as time expired. So another huge win for the Ravens. And now the 49ers have a whopping two losses. So still not a bad year for them. The Miami Dolphins beat the Philadelphia Eagles with the final score of 37-31. The Dolphins are trying to tank here, and the Eagles are getting in their way by losing to them. The Eagles and the Cowboys are both playing bad football. Not bad football, but just less than the expectation. And they're still leaders in that division. In my opinion, it's like, no, we don't want to win. No, y'all don't want to win. No, we don't want to win. No, y'all don't want. And they just kind of keep doing that back and forth. And this is a prime example. You lose to a team that's trying to lose. How does this happen? We're going to keep going where the Dallas Cowboys lost on Thanksgiving to the Bills with the final score of 26-15. to A lot of people haven't seen Josh Allen since the draft. He's a kid from Wyoming. Uh, But you got to see him on Thanksgiving Day. And with the great defense and with him throwing the ball and occasionally getting a little bit of run here and there to get a first down, they were able to beat Dallas and get the win on the turkey day. Cole Beasley. Uh, who was a former Dallas Cowboys receiver, slot receiver, by the way, had a nice homecoming back in Dallas with six receptions for 110 yards in Jerry World. And, yeah, Josh Allen looks really good. I did not know that he was – I knew he was a big quarterback. He's 6'5", but I didn't know he was. He ran like a 4'5". The guy can move a little bit, and he just has that, a little bit of that, as Dallas Swing called, guts to him. He just knows how to be a football player. You saw that whenever he was able to get that yard. I think that was on third. It was a third or fourth down, but it was a very important down. He's just a football guy. He's not just a quarterback who doesn't like to get hit too much. Like he'll go make whatever play is necessary for his team to win. And I did not understand how good that Bills defense is. They are something to be reckoned with. So the Bills get a big win here against the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys players, obviously fans, were very upset. But you know, when you like the Cowboys, you're gonna go through some emotional things. 
we're going to keep moving. The Carolina Panthers lost to the Washington Redskins with the final score of 29-21. The Cal Allen magic that was once there has seems to have left the building. Carolina is now suffering uh, with consistent losses. These, But I will say these wins are big for Dwayne Haskins and his confidence, especially being a uh, rookie, to lead his team past the Panthers. I don't know. I think everybody was on the Cal Allen bandwagon. Now they might be thinking we're going to go ahead and re-sign Cam because it's just not working for the Panthers at this point as of, as of recently. Uh, lastly, we're going to talk about these Browns and the Steelers. I told y'all early on in the year, I was trying to become a Browns fan. I'm a huge Odell Beckham fan, but it is hard to do so with these Browns. The Browns have one of the more talented rosters in the NFL and could not beat the Steelers with a third-string quarterback. The, and the Browns were up 10 to nothing in the second quarter. Now, I get uh, Baker Mayfield did end up going out because he hit his hand and Odell went out for a second, if I'm not mistaken. But... They just aren't able to get the, the job done. But that goes to show you a great organization being the Pittsburgh Steelers can be better than having a lot of star players being the Cleveland Browns. So I started looking at things like from a stat standpoint. Because I was like, well, Jarvis is consistently having these four, five, six catch games. And Odell, they seem to not a lot of times be able to get Odell the ball as quite as much as he probably would like and as much as the common fan would expect. So I started thinking, who has been better over their career statistically, Odell or Jarvis? Because, you know, and Jarvis, one could say, had a much better college career. But obviously, Odell has the hair and all that. But Jarvis had a better college career. But I was looking to the NFL. Odell has been pretty much hurt every year towards the end of the year and has missed significant playing time. Every year, it seems like it might have been one or two years we finished the season. Besides that, he's had an injury that's ended his season. And he still has more career reception yards than Jarvis, who's typically always available and has played in less games. So that, that speaks right there to how much talent Odell has. Jarvis has had 554, no, 546 receptions in his career and 5,933 yards. Meanwhile, Odell has had 447 receptions, which is almost 100. It might be a little. I'm not doing all this math today. I think it's like 99. Has had 99 less receptions and has had 6,281 yards. So he's had about 300 more. Yeah, look at his number, about 300 more yards than Jarvis and has had like 100 less receptions. So that tells you right there Odell's speed is crazy because that means he's breaking for more big plays than Jarvis has. Unless Eli Manning was just getting him a lot of uh, passes for him to show off his talent. Like I said before, folks, that is insane. Odell, that, so anytime there's a debate, like, Odell might not be that good. Look at those numbers. 447 receptions for two for 6,281 yards compared to 546 receptions for 5,933 yards. And Jarvis is no scrub. Like, he's one of the better receivers in the NFL anyway. So no question there. I was questioning it for a second. I had to hop out of that because there's no comparison the fact that the Steelers were able to beat this talent-rich Browns team with no Juju Smith-Schuessler, who's, who was clear for concussion protocol, but is still dealing with a knee injury, their third-string quarterback, and was still able to get the job done, that speaks measure, measures about that team or the organization as a whole. James Washington had a huge day for the Steelers going four, had four catches for 101 yards and a touchdown. Deion Kane didn't know that. Deion Kane is who was a former Clemson Tiger, and then he played with the Indianapolis Colts. He would play at Clemson with uh, Ray Ray McLeod, Deshaun Watson, those guys. Uh, he's a Steeler now. He plays for the Pittsburgh Steeler. Their last receiver that they that they 
that the Steelers had came from Clemson was Martavis Bryant. He's a he's out of the league right now with dealing with out uh, drugs or whatever the case may be. So he's out of the league. But I know that kind of put a little I don't with a mark on Clemson receivers, especially ones that have dealt with problems in the past. But the Steelers got Deion Kane and he's been serviceable for them. Uh, He's really good at – he's a deep ball guy, but I think he's been working on his route tree and stuff like that. The Browns had two chances to win this game. They were down thir- – at least tied. They were down 13-20 to 20 in the fourth quarter. And one of the times it came off an interception when they were in opponent's territory. And the other one, I mean, they had to go the course of the field, but it was the fact they couldn't get that done when given two opportunities to tie the game. So this one, they don't deserve it. So, yep, the Browns lost that game. And so the Browns, they're not making it to the playoffs, in my opinion. And it's odd, though, that one of their best wins, well, one of their few wins, I think they have five wins this season, have come against the Ravens. So that makes no sense to me. But, yeah, so the Browns will look to pull it together next week. And we'll talk about it next week. And on this next week's episode, the conference championship would have already happened. And we'll be talking about who will be playing the college football playoffs and my predictions and things of that nature. But until next week, thanks for listening. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, hit Matt Sporthouse on Twitter. and hit, You can DM it or however you need to. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends about it. And I appreciate you for listening. Thanks.